What's up, everybody? I'm Josh Meek, the Uber Geek, and welcome to Pretty Dece, the weekly show about movies, comics, games, and all the pop culture in between. This is Pretty Dece Season 2, Episode 8, for the week of November 4th, 2019. Hopefully you're all having a wonderful week, and uh, you just came off of a, a fun, fun weekend. I certainly have been having a good past week or so. Despite the fact that the weather has turned like someone who was bitten in a zombie movie, it's gotten very cold as of late. Halloween was this past week, and it actually snowed here on Halloween. <laughs> so actually, the day when all the kids are going to go out, trick-or-treat, go door-to-door, it was something like 30-mile-per-hour winds and uh, snowfall that actually started to accumulate. So, yeah, a little a uh, little unseasonable and uh, not not quite uh, the perfect conditions for going door to door in what are often very very thin costumes. So, we didn't get a ton of trick or treaters this year, but uh, to be honest, we kind of keep the lights off anyway for the most part uh, because whatever the uh, bah humbug version of Halloween is is definitely how I typically feel. Nonetheless, I have been getting in the Halloween mood this past week. Uh, this weekend, we went to check out Zombieland Double Tap, which is the sequel to the film that came out like 10 years ago at this point, Zombieland, which is the zombie comedy that uh, is has kind of become a cult classic since it came out. And this sequel, 10 years later, goes back and gets the original cast and is a really awesome sequel to that film. If you enjoyed the first Zombieland, Double Tap follows it up super, super well. I think in a lot of ways it's it's better than the first film. They kind of write a snappier story. They tell funnier jokes, and, and a lot of stuff hits a lot better than in the first film. But it is kind of... They, they, they pick up pretty much... Uh, you know, kind of seamless from the first film, which is really surprising 10 years later. Oftentimes when a movie comes back and they try to kind of recapture some of that gold that happened in an earlier film when when there's that big of a gap, they don't quite hit their mark. And that does not happen here. It feels like a perfect follow-up to this film, despite the fact that all the main characters are like 10 years older. And they did a good job kind of progressing the universe of Zombieland, if you will, it's a film that doesn't spend a lot of time trying to explain the backstory of of the zombie virus or really kind of give you a lot of context for what's going on in the world, but they give you just enough of a progression in these 10 years to make it feel like that the time has passed and to make it feel like, okay, yes, I understand things have progressed, we've moved on. It's still a comedy, so we're still having fun, but you see things here... 10 years down the road that you wouldn't have been able to see in the first film. So I like that. It's a really, really great sequel. If you enjoyed Zombieland, check out Zombieland Double Tap. Now, aside from that, we have a ton of news this week and um, a lot of super interesting stuff happening that we need to kind of break down. So without further ado, let's hit that theme song and jump into the news. Pretty Dece, Pretty Dece, here we go. Facebook.com slash Pretty Show. It's time to geek out with Josh, your host. The first bits of news this week come to us from BlizzCon, which uh, has been going on recently. 
That is the gaming company Blizzard's uh, big convention that they put on to show off their own games, to let fans come in, and typically it's the place where they announce new games as well. So they did announce some big new games that people have been uh, waiting for for a, a good long while. But of course, we can't talk about Blizzard right now without first talking about controversy. That's going to go hand in hand with any Blizzard discussion for a good long time. To catch you up, if you are new to all of the Blizzard controversy, we've talked about it in past episodes of Pretty Dece, but uh, super high-level overview. Uh, During a Hearthstone tournament, the the winner of that tournament... um, Kind of gave this uh, this interview where he, um, he he spoke out in support of Hong Kong, um, which is currently kind of in in turmoil. There are protests going on, um, fighting against China coming in, and and um, there's it's it's a huge political struggle that we won't dive super super into. But the the Hearthstone Pro um, definitely took a political stance in this interview showed his support for Hong Kong, and Blizzard reacted to that with a very, very uh, swift fist, some might say. They uh, took away the winnings of that pro, they banned him for like a year, they also fired the, uh, the two casters who were interviewing him at the time, and that caused everyone to on, on the internet to be in a massive uproar about it. it caused huge, huge blowback. People were were deleting their Blizzard accounts. Um, People were were protesting. Um, It became a huge, huge deal as the entire um, uh, massive force of the internet got behind this Hearthstone Pro and came together kind of in opposition of Blizzard. And it came down to the fact that uh, some percentage of Blizzard is owned by a, comp- a, a company called Tencent, and Tencent is based in China. So people saw um, this very aggressive banning and very aggressive punishment from Blizzard as basically being provoked by their uh, Chinese-based uh, investors. So... Blizzard took a long time to respond to that, and when they did, they kind of had something of a uh, kind of mixed apology, as far as as I'm concerned. They explained themselves, tried to explain themselves. They they reeled back a little bit. They gave the uh, the Hearthstone Pro back some of his winnings. They reduced his ban, but didn't pull back completely. So because of that, the protesting continues. So outside of BlizzCon. Um, there are protesters who who were there for for all of the the events, uh, holding up signs saying you know free Hong Kong, uh, various other signs both in support of Hong Kong and in opposition of Blizzard. So it certainly isn't something that is resolved um, during the opening ceremonies. Kind of the the keynote speaker, Blizzard President Jay Allen Brack did address the controversy he said that they were um they were not fast enough in responding when when the controversy blew up and they were too quick in their decision making uh when it came to the the initial ban he says they'll try to do better he's sorry he accepts accountability but you know 
that also might just be something that he feels like he needs to say. You have to address it. We're at BlizzCon. If I don't say something, it'll be worse. So a lot of people still aren't satisfied about the uh, the entire response, the entire process. So a lot of the Blizzard news that came out of BlizzCon was met with, I think, more of a mixed reaction than you would normally get from Blizzard announcing things. People are usually over the moon about new Blizzard projects and properties and games in beloved series. And I don't think that that necessarily happened to the degree that it would have if we hadn't, if it hadn't been kind of preceded by all of this, uh, this banning controversy. So that's kind of a little touch point there as far as the, uh, the, the state we're in when it comes to Blizzard news. But let's leave that behind for just a second and talk about what they did actually announce. And it's two big things. So first up, they announced Overwatch 2, the sequel to Overwatch, which I think many people thought that we would never actually get. Overwatch is a game that has definitely grown and morphed since it came out. They have added so much content to it, so many characters. Um, They've added so many modes and done all these special events and all these skins that people kind of thought that I think Overwatch would just grow over time and morph and change and you'd never have to buy another uh, full game as a sequel to Overwatch. They would just keep adding in to the first Overwatch. Well, that was wrong, (laughs) and Overwatch 2 is on its way. Overwatch 2 is coming with with, with some new features that are definitely big advancements, and and a lot of what they're adding revolves around uh, player versus environment, PvE. So it's not PvP, player versus player, but it's co-op. You're teaming up with other players, and you are fighting uh, AI-controlled bad guys. That, for me, is, is, a, is a pretty exciting way to play the game. I, I always say that I like the world and characters of Overwatch so much more than playing Overwatch. Not that it's a bad game to play. Uh, it is a wonderfully designed game. It's extremely well done. I just don't love uh, competitive player-versus-player shooters as much. I don't have the time to devote to them. I don't have the twitch reflexes that other people do. I don't want to put hours and hours and hours and into something uh, that I don't feel like I'm getting sort of that much value back out of. I'll never be as good as most of the players there. I will always be beaten. So I like to spend my time in other gaming ventures. But I, I do love the look of Overwatch. I love the characters. I love the story that they kind of intersperse in all the maps. So I really love what they've done with the general universe. So getting to dive into Overwatch and play it less competitively, to just play it with friends and and destroy robots and stuff like that is kind of right up my alley in what I'd be looking for in an Overwatch experience. So that's kind of cool. I do like that kind of coming from a sequel to Overwatch. They're also going to be adding, you know, uh, hero progression. So as you play through these story modes that they are adding... Um, you're going to be able leveling up your various heroes and unlocking skills and stuff for them, which is super cool. And just the idea of getting story modes in Overwatch is very neat because Overwatch is a series that doesn't inherently have a story that you sit and you play through and you, you watch cutscenes, but they've put out so many cutscenes and they've put out comic books and they've built the lore and backstory of these characters 
to such a huge degree that now finally getting to have a legit, real storyline for these characters is very, very uh, fascinating and very enticing. You're coming into this world knowing tons about these characters from what they've they've peppered into various media over the years. So now getting to come in knowing these characters super well and getting to see a full fleshed out story feels more like watching an Avengers movie than it does playing a video game where they're having to introduce the characters to you and stuff. So that's a cool, cool thing. And in, in my opinion, is, is potentially justifiable enough to make this Overwatch 2 and not just additional content for, uh, for the original Overwatch. Now, with all that being said, not everyone agreed with that sentiment. Um, not everyone thought that, you know, just adding this PvE content, adding story content was enough. People are a little upset about having to buy another full-priced game after having invested so much time and money into the first Overwatch. Now, if you have invested a lot of money in Overwatch, they are kind of doing the right thing on that front. All the heroes will be carried forward, and all of your unlocks and cosmetics and stuff will also carry forward. So if you've unlocked an awesome skin that you love, you'll get to also use that skin in Overwatch 2. And also, they talk about the idea of the multiplayer not leaving anyone behind. So if you never want to make the jump to Overwatch 2, it sounds like you'll still be able to play Overwatch 1, and even with the people that are moving on to Overwatch 2. I don't know if that means every single mode as it's available, but it does sound like they're, they're trying their best to kind of bridge that gap. They made the decision to jump to 2, but they're not making it a hard cutoff, and they're trying to, so they're trying to kind of be nice about it is what it sounds like. Now, you might still think that, well, there shouldn't have been a 2 in the first place, but... If they are doing that, at least it sounds like it's uh, it's not, you know, super cold about about that process. As I said, all the heroes are going forward. Uh, 31 heroes, they did announce a new hero named Sojourn. And all of the heroes are going to get upgraded looks. So you're going to see slightly different looks to the, the base skins of all of the heroes. So, you know, from a story perspective, very cool. I love that we're getting to see more about these characters. From a value perspective, it's still kind of up for debate whether this needed to be a sequel or what. You know, it's it's the PC, so we don't necessarily need to jump to a new console and justify a purchase there. But you would expect Overwatch 2 will probably end up showing up on consoles, next-generation consoles, when those launch. So that was the first piece of news that came from BlizzCon. The second piece of big, big news that came out of BlizzCon was that Blizzard finally announced Diablo 4. This is something that we've, we've kind of known has been coming for a little while without an official confirmation. We get the actual announcement here now, and we get some of the first uh, footage from Diablo 4 as well. The big thing that they tried to sell for Diablo uh, at BlizzCon was that this is a return to the series Dark Roots. And it definitely is apparent in the cinematic trailer that, th that they put out and the gameplay trailer that they put out as well. Uh, Diablo 3, if you played it, was, yes, it was about you're fighting demons and you're fighting skeletons and you're fighting monsters, uh, but it was a bit more colorful. You know, y things uh, did explode in blood, but it, it kind of almost had a cheery feel to it. Things were still bright, things were still colorful. Uh, Diablo 4 
reels that back in. It's it's a little bit less cartoony than Diablo 3 was, and it's much darker. So a lot a lot more kind of shades of gray and brown than the color that we saw in Diablo 3. Things are a bit more realistic looking, so enemies aren't uh, highlighted in bright colors anymore. We don't see as many splashes of bright color. It is a bit more kind of grounded in a fantasy reality, including the looks of the characters that we see. So they're wearing kind of more realistically colored armor. Or they look more like real people. So they are definitely um, paying an intentional mind to kind of bringing the series back to kind of that that dark, dark feel. And the cinematic trailer is creepy, I have to say. If they're aiming for that, um, you know, when the first Diablo came out, it uh, it made parents worried. What is this devil game that my children are playing? Uh, we're getting back into that. That uh, The cinematic trailer here is... Uh, kind of very terrifying um, blood and these like weird membranes and like creating these monsters and stuff is happening. So if you're into that aspect of Diablo, you're going to be very, very pleased. Me, I just mainly care about the gameplay. I don't really care about the aesthetic that is surrounding it. I'll take the cartoony. I'll take the more serious. It doesn't really matter. Gameplay-wise, the game looks pretty cool. So, it's very much Diablo. You still have the isometric perspective, um, but the enemies look really neat. You have some some traversal around the world that maybe you didn't before. There's one clip where you see someone kind of jumping a ravine that he could have walked around, which is which is pretty neat. And the enemies are, are huge as well. They, they show some really, really big enemies crawling out of the ground that you are fighting. That look really impressive and should look really, really good on a high-end PC. The game is eventually going to come to PS4, Xbox One, um, but it clearly, like past Diablos, uh, the PC is going to be kind of the the lead platform, the one you want to play on, but I expect that the console versions will also be very, very good. So the initial classes so far, Barbarian, Sorceress, and Druid. Obviously, there will be more than those, but those are the ones we're seeing. And uh, yeah, Diablo finally, finally coming. People have been uh, a little upset about the mobile version of Diablo, when that was announced, they were hoping that it was Diablo 4. We're finally, finally getting Diablo 4. So those are the, the big pieces of Blizzard news from BlizzCon. As we talked about up front, still a lot of controversy surrounding Blizzard, but from a gameplay, a gameplay perspective, from a game perspective, they are still announcing cool stuff. They are still doing cool stuff. And if you, if you can look past or, or if you agree that, that they are accepting accountability and are kind of moving forward, then there's stuff to be excited about here. And the next piece of news is a quick one, but one that I'm very excited about. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2, the sequel, is coming April 8th, 2022. We finally have a date for that. Um, I definitely would say that, Spy- that that Into the Spider-Verse, the first one, is one of, if not the best, Spider-Man movies that I've ever seen. Maybe even one of the best superhero movies that have has ever come out. It's really, really good. It's not a, it's not a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Uh, Sony, with the Spider-Man rights, decided to take things in a much different direction. And they made a fantastic animated film. 
that anyone who is a fan of superheroes has to has to see. Um, they tell a, a great, great story um, with an awesome, awesome main character in Miles Morales. And I am really, really excited to see more of this film. 2022 is an incredibly long time to wait, uh, but I will get time to watch the first Into the Spider-Verse over and over again many times until that comes out. So we finally have a date. We can put it on our calendars and we can we can slowly pine the time away until the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse makes its way to theaters. And the last piece of news for today is, is certainly quite a big one to unravel. But the end result is that every single writer for Deadspin, the blog uh, sports news website that was so much more than just uh, a sports news, every single writer for Deadspin has resigned. It is now a website without writers. The backstory of this entire debacle, uh, as we've seen it kind of slowly play out, is that Deadspin, along with several other websites like Gizmodo, The Onion, The Root, uh, Kotaku is, is, is one as well, they're owned by this company called Geo Media. Geo Media is a private equity firm, and apparently they've had kind of a heavy management hand on these websites. Deadspin is a very unique site in that it is uh, sports-focused, but they have have posted many, many, many different types of articles. So they've they've dived into esports. They do kind of political commentary at times. They do weird offbeat articles. You never really know kind of what the next thing that was going to get posted to Deadspin was. And despite the fact that it was a quote-unquote sports website, it was worth looking at if you didn't care about sports. And at times, it was not really apparent that it was a sports website at all. It was a, it was definitely a, a unique, interesting site that a lot of really unique, interesting articles came from. However, GeoMedia didn't quite agree. So they sent a uh, a memo, I guess, to the the writers of of Deadspin saying that they should stick to just sports. So don't write about uh, any other topics, don't write about politics, don't write about culture, don't write about esports, stick to sports. That seems like the kind of final straw that broke the camel's back. People were very upset about it. Um, It came after an article about uh, President Trump being booed at the World Series uh, it came down from Jim Spanfeller, who is the uh, guy who runs Geo Media. He said, let's stick to sports. That's all we're going to talk about. And at the same time, they fired the acting editor of Deadspin, uh, Barry Pacheski. So from that point, kind of the dominoes started to fall. Uh, Pacheski was out, and a bunch of Deadspin staffers began to resign. So... Uh, It started last Wednesday, a bunch of them resigned and kind of progressed on, and now there's no more. There are are literally no more writers uh, left for Deadspin, but the website remains. It still is up, and uh, at least as of a couple hours ago, still slowly posting articles. Again, more of a a straight-ahead 
sports slant, nothing interesting, not anything that the actual uh, regular Deadspin writers would have would have posted or would have would have cared to to engage in. Also, the new articles are coming just from quote uh, just from Deadspin, not not from any individual writer. They've created an account that's just general to the website because again, no editorial staff. Everyone has has quit. Um, along with quitting, there is definitely a lot of like, hey, thanks. It's been a good site. Deadspin has a great legacy. As the writers have have left. Uh, for what it's worth, Geo Media says that Deadspin is not done. There says they're out recruiting, looking for people to take the place. Um, but I, I think that the damage has been done. Along with this, you know, massive departure from Deadspin, it's been affecting the other Geo Media uh, sort of uh, family of sites as well. It first uh, kind of came onto my radar with Kotaku. There was an article that was posted on Kotaku and several of the other websites that was essentially an apology over the ads that were running on those websites. Those sites, if you would visit them without an ad blocker on, were playing or auto-playing video ads with sound, which is um, super obtrusive, uh, a terrible, terrible practice. And clearly the writers and editors of these sites were upset about that and posted kind of a passive-aggressive article saying that, you know, you're very important to us as readers. We have no control over the ads that are playing on our site. If you have feedback about the ads that are happening on our site, send them to Geo Media. Well, after those stories were posted, uh, it got taken down. Not by any of the writers that actually posted it, but by quote-unquote management. So, Geo Media sort of commanded those articles to be taken down. Most of the writers at Kotaku were very upset about that, understandably. And were uh, at some point, it seemed like a lot of the people that worked at Kotaku were also going to quit or were thinking about quitting or maybe were thinking that they would just get fired over this. That seems to have mostly settled down at this point, uh, but clearly tensions are still pretty high. If you go look at a lot of the Kotaku writers' Twitter accounts, they're retweeting things about Deadspin. They are are supporting the the ex writers of Deadspin, and are also talking very candidly about about saving Kotaku, and about unionizing, and about um, the kind of value of writing of the type that Deadspin was doing. So this is, I think, far from a resolved issue and it affects probably a lot of your favorite websites the geo media uh websites are are vast and varied obviously uh kotaku is a huge one in the world of video games deadspin is a massive one just in terms of um in in terms of sports and in terms of culture um av club is also related gizmodo so a lot of what gets sort of put out onto the internet comes from these sites. So the fact that suddenly, like with Deadspin, they can cease to exist as we know them tomorrow is, is kind of a bummer and also kind of scary. So, you know, it's certainly, it's important to think about, one, where your media is coming from and what forces are being posed upon them, you know, upon the writers that are putting things out. What are they being forced to do? What are they being forced to say? And also it's important to support those writers. 
If you have a writer that you like and that you support, uh, you know, follow them on Twitter. Uh, keep up with where they are. Don't be loyal to a single site. Be loyal to the people who actually produce the content that you enjoy on those sites. So if you like someone at Deadspin, follow them to wherever that, that they go next. It's not just Deadspin that you're a fan of. It's of those people and their writing style. And I think that that's, that's a very important takeaway here. Um, with all of this nastiness and negativity that's come from all of this stuff. And with that, that's going to do it for Pretty Dees for today. So thank you very much for joining me to talk about uh, a, a, a huge plethora of topics. We had some Blizzard news catching you up on the controversy and also the new game announcements, some cool stuff, Overwatch 2, Diablo 4, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse finally coming, super excited about that. And then all of the drama surrounding Deadspin and the other Geo Media websites um, that that will continue to progress, and we'll touch back in on that if need be, if there are further developments. But we do have to come to a close. Uh, it's been a very good episode. If you want to check out all the past episodes, head on over to prettydeeshow.com to find those. Of course, you can also always find the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash prettydeece. And you can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pretty Dece Show.